before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about SV Pod. It's hosted by Scott Van Pelt alongside Stanford Steve. This podcast brings you high-level sports analysis as well as stories of two dads raising kids. Plus, find out every Tuesday what they hate to see and if you agree. That's SV Pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the Peabody and Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents The Tuck Rule, a documentary that examines one of the most controversial plays in sports history. See the legendary Charles Woodson and Tom Brady discuss, for the first time, the call that changed it all. So watch live February 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Also available the next day on ESPN+. Plus. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. In this show, we're going to talk about the new lightweight title fight. We're going to tap in. We're going to tap out. We'll also be joined by Michael Chandler, but RC, my man. Joe Burrow had his iced out necklace on, but I saw yes, you with the TV precision. I saw you, you with the TV precision. It was nice, dog. Where you got that one from? <laughs> You know what's crazy, man? Actually, the boys bought it for me. Some of the guys I trained, man, they got together and they was like, RC, man, you need some ice. I said, say, dog, I'm old. You know what I mean? I'm in my 40s. I, I didn't have chains. I didn't have chains when I was a young dude playing. He's like, nah, man. He's like, you got to rep the squad. And so the boys got it for me, man, as a gift for my birthday. And so, you know, hey. Joe Burrow pulled his out. He a boot boy. Like, I'm a boot boy. Yeah, I'm a tiger. Yeah, so I had to show how hey, we do. Cool Joe Burrow, man, with his ice out necklace. Like, come, this dude is different. Dude's different. Bro, dude is Joe Burrow, absolutely different. <laughs> think about this, bro. He comes to LSU. LSU has no offense. All we do is run the football. None. He revo- revolutionizes who LSU is. Throws 60 touchdowns, wins the Heisman, the greatest college football team of all time. Number one overall pick to Cincinnati. Shreds his knee year one, bro. Shreds it because they don't protect him. They still don't protect him, and he gets them to the Super Bowl. Think about how great dude. that dude truly is. Hey, absolutely. Dude is an absolute winner. But listen, for as good as Joe Burrow is leading the Bengals to the championship, which sounds so absurd, another guy who's a champion and also is different, Charles Oliveira. And now he yeah. has his next assignment as he's going to take on Justin Gaethje down the line. What did you feel initially, right? We kind of thought this was the one that was going to happen. Yeah. But once it becomes official, what was your first initial reaction? That it, 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 it sounds right, right? It, it, it's the right decision for the weight class. Uh, Charles Oliveira has more than proven that he's the champion. There, There is no questions. You can't go back to the beginning of his career and think that he's that same man. And we've also seen Justin Gaethje in the octagon with guys like Dustin Poirier, Khabib Nurmagomedov. But the other thing is, he's fallen short in those times. Mm-hmm. And so to me, is this going to be a different Justin Gaethje? Is this a Justin Gaethje that can overcome Charles Oliveira, who has become a force whenever he steps in there? And so I'm excited to see, does he make the changes? And has he now reached the championship level? You know what's crazy for me was when I heard it, R.C., I started thinking to myself, I knew this was coming. But when Justin Gaethje saying things like, if we don't get the fight, we riot, you start to have a little right. bit of doubt in the back of your mind. If it's something that he has heard from the organization that was saying, maybe it's not going to happen. But now that it's reality, now that it's the thing, I'm so excited because Justin Gaethje is your favorite fighter, Ryan's favorite fighter. He's everybody's favorite fighter because yeah. the dude is in absolute wars every single time he steps into the octagon. But in Du Bronx, you have a guy now who is full of yeah. confidence, who has all the skills. And honestly, after the, the, the Michael Chandler fight, you know, you go, well, he was about to get beat, and then he come back and he knocked him out. But I think for in the Poirier fight, you truly mm-hmm. saw who Du Bronx is, and I believe that that fight yeah. will even give him more confidence going into yes. the Casey fight. Because remember Dustin and Justin, they went – I mean, it was, it was a, a blood war. and guts war until Dustin finished him. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, Charles Oliveira has to find confidence in that as he has into this title fight. DC, you know, you understand the actual styles a little bit more than me, and you know how they'll match up. After seeing Du Bronx against a guy like Dustin Poirier, and even a Michael Chandler, who we've seen Justin Gaethje fight both of these uh, men as well, how do you see this fight actually playing out from a skill set perspective? 
You know what's crazy, man? Is is Justin Gaethje has the ultimate equalizer. He can knock anybody okay. silly. He can knock anybody out. Um, he's got great leg kicks. He's a all American wrestler, but he never uses it. He only uses it in reverse to stay upright because he's such a savage. Now, this is my disclaimer. Justin Gaethje is my friend. I like spending time with Justin Gaethje. So I'm telling you as a friend that he is a fantastic fighter. He can win the fight. But when you look at skill for skill, you feel like Charles Oliveira is the guy that has more tools at his disposal because he has the jujitsu. He has the mm. willingness to take the fight to the ground because of that jujitsu. And now he has developed right. stand up at a level that is on par with anyone in the lightweight division. Now, Gaethje, what he has done has been massively impressive. But mm -hmm. Charles Oliveira, man, he 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 gets knocked down, RC, and the dude just gets up and starts stalking like the Terminator. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. He doesn't yeah. take his foot off the gas. And I think that is what has caused guys so many issues over the course of this title run. DC, when, when you look at these two guys, and I've, I've heard you say a lot when talking about great wrestlers that certain individuals are great wrestlers and they don't use it. But yep. in explaining why you like uh, people could like Charles Oliveira. You talked about the, the multiplicity, right, or the versatility of his skill set, the willingness to use his jiu-jitsu. Obviously, now being a guy who's great at the stand-up, too, and keeps coming, do you think the wrestling is something Justin Gaethje can go to in this fight against a guy like Charles Oliveira? Or you think he's going to understand, you know what, I'm going to stay on my feet, I'm going to make this a war, I'm going to make this a brawl, and see if I can bring back some of those old feelings Charles Oliveira has, much like Juliana mm. Pena did um, against Amanda Nunes. You know what's crazy, Ryan, is that you believe that it's always in that person, that ability to check out. But what we've seen in Bronx is that he is not willing to go back to that place. I don't know what he has done in his mind that doesn't allow for him to go, oh my God, this is familiar. I don't like this. I'm fatigued. I'm going to go home and I'll get him the next time. This dude's mm -hmm. won like 12 fights in a row now. He doesn't lose anymore. Something has mm -hmm. changed within him that doesn't allow for him to really look for a way out. Now, right. Justin does have the wrestling advantage, but who wants to grapple with Charles Oliveira? This is the greatest submission specialist. You get submitted. And you exactly. Have to get, right? Like, exactly. So like you really got to pick your poison when it comes mm -hmm. to the approach that you're taking against Bronx. Man, look, this fight, was supposed to happen in Brazil. I don't know if it's going to happen anymore, but could you imagine if they somehow Crazy. managed to make Charles Oliveira defend this title? Brazilian fans are out of their mind, Ryan Clark. I have been in the league <laughs> thinking to myself, like, nope, you won't make it out of here if you don't, uh, if you you win and act like Kobe Covington did after he beat Damian Right, Knight. Bro, the environments there are insane. I don't know if it'll happen there, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But this is a great fight between the two yeah. best lightweights in the world right now, not named yep. Islam Makhachev. Not named oh. Islam Makhachev. No, I'm just saying, right. These are the two, Doug, I'm not saying, these are the two best lightweights in the world. In the world, Ryan, not named Islam Makhachev. It is what it is. Moving bro. on. Sorry, somehow we got to Islam Makachev and he's nowhere in the rundown, <laughs> even though neither one of us have printed it and we're waiting on corporate Jake to tell us what we need. Speaking of telling us of telling us what we need, though, Dana White said that Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler is the fight that they're eyeing next. It's the fight that they want to make. This is. This is a strange one to me, DC, because in, in Tony mm -hmm. Ferguson, right, you have a dude that went on what? Uh, a double-digit, what, 12-fight win yep. streak. 12-fight winning streak, interim champion. And, for the right, and never and, 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 and then you got Michael Chandler who comes in, he wins one fight, and he gets a chance <laughs> to fight for the yeah. belt. And now you got two of the most exciting guys in the UFC, Tony Ferguson, who has shown us that his toughness and his pain threshold may be different than anyone who is fighting in the UFC right now. Are you excited about this fight? Is this the yeah. right time to make this fight? You know what's crazy? Tony Ferguson won 12 fights and row became the interim champ. The week he was supposed to fight Khabib, he goes to do media at Fox, trips over a wire, and tears his knee. So he never gets the Khabib fight. They were scheduled to fight four or five times. That dude trips on, his, on the wire. 
tears his knee up. Habib ends up fighting Ally Quinta. Now Habib's gone. Now Tony has lost fights in a row. The Justin Gaethje fight showed that time was starting to catch up with Tony Ferguson. Yes. But yep. has anyone come into the organization and had bigger fights than Michael Chandler? I mean, Michael Chandler has somehow managed to fight Dan Hooker in Abu Dhabi, knock explosive. him out and make a massive, yep, explosive. Then you have him fight for the belt against Charles Oliveira, lose that fight, get a fight of the year against Justin Gaethje, and now he gets Tony Ferguson. Nobody has done what Michael Chandler has done. And not only is it based on his fighting style, Ryan, he grabbed that microphone afterwards, and he did the yes. whole Ric Flair thing. Beat Ric me Flair. if you can. Like It's like you have to take advantage of your moments, and no one watches yes. more than right after that fight. Those post-fight interviews, yes. you're seen by more people than ever. Chandler took yep. advantage, and now he finds himself in the octagon against another guy that held a portion of the UFC championship. It's massive. Well, one thing is this. He's the second most likable person that's ever fought in the UFC behind <laughs> Daniel Cormier. Straight up. <laughs> like, he's, he, he's a dude. Like, I follow Michael Ch Chandler on social medias just to love on him, just because I enjoy watching him live life. And he's kind of translated that into getting these huge fights Um in the UFC, but he comes over, right? He's the former champ of another organization and he gets in in explosive fashion, but he has lost two fights in the road, DC. And so for me, yeah. when you have, when you have him losing two fights, obviously, uh, Tony Ferguson, I think he's lost to, you know, Charles Oliveira. He's lost to, uh, Daniel Berryush. And so Charles, we've seen Darius. him. Darius. He lost to Benil, Darius. He lost to Chandler. Gaethje. He lost to right. Gaethje. Yeah. He's lost like four in a right. row now. Right. And so and so now these two guys, even though exciting, even though beloved by the UFC, this is the fight both men have to win. And I think having a situation to where a Michael Chandler and a Tony Ferguson are desperate like that lines up to give us an explosive night um, just in itself. But I do believe Michael Chandler knows this isn't Justin Gaethje. This isn't Madison yes, Square Garden. I can't exactly. I can't go Bro. into that fight the exact same way because now. I'm mm -hmm. fighting to continue to be a contender, not just being a guy who people love and want to come to the arena to see fight. But also, Ryan, I, I feel like this is the right type of matchup because okay. when you get Oliveira, you get Gaethje back-to-back, -back, these are championship-level fighters. And I understand that Chandler has championship aspirations. But after a couple losses, you got to take a step back. And the Tony Ferguson today at 37 years old, on the losing streak as he is, is not those guys anymore. So right. with a big performance, it could put him back right on path to where he wants to go. Now, obviously, those guys are drawing back and forth online as they always do. There are a lot of dangers in the Tony Ferguson fight. He's very tricky with his elbows. He's got slick jujitsu, and he's got cardio for days, but he has not won. The one thing that Tony has done, though, is taken some time away since his last mm -hmm. loss. So maybe he'll come back refreshed in a better state of mind for the Chandler fight. But this is a great matchup for Chandler, at least in my opinion. But no one knows that better than Michael Chandler, and he's about to join us right now. Yeah. I mean, we have had this dude on so much. That is DC, RC, and MC, as we are joined now by Iron Mike, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, what's up, my friend? I like the sound of that, man. DC, RC, MC. Uh, man, I'm doing good. Living the dream. Uh, excited to... Uh, Keep on living the dream and get after it here in 2022. I mean, we might as be might as well be run DMC. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, you know that. No, no, Mike, you have come into the UFC and you have had massive fights. And now yeah. we have just learned that the next one is gonna be another big one because I'm hearing you're fighting Tony Ferguson next. Hey man, I, I said it from the very beginning. I wasn't going to be here for a long time. I was going to be here for a good time. I didn't come in to tiptoe around to the top 10, top 20. I wanted to come in right away and prove that either I am who I say I am or I'm not. Um, it still remains to be seen whether or not people think I am who I say I am. I know who I am. I'm having a blast. I love being signed with the UFC. It is just now been a year, a year and seven days after my UFC debut. It seems like it's been much longer but what a great year we had! Couple, couple mm -hmm. year, a uh, couple year end awards. Um, so having a blast, man. I think this year is going to be a big one as well. You know, Mike, you speak about time and time spent inside the UFC after the fight in November. You said you're going to take some time away. Is this in line with what you thought? Or are you coming back a little sooner because this is the fight that was presented to you? 
You know, uh, yeah, it still remains to be seen. Not exactly sure. You know, nothing, nothing is signed yet. Um, obviously, Tony Ferguson is a, uh, an exciting opponent. He's got a huge following. Um, I have quickly become one of the guys that people love to see fighting inside of the UFC octagon. Um, it's a fight that, I, that excites me. It's a fight that's scary. It's a fight that's going to be a great fight for the fans once again, and that's what I want to do. I did want to probably come back in, uh, you know, mid to late summer just to give myself a little bit more time off. But, hey, man, when the opportunity – when opportunity comes your way, you uh, you say yes, and that's what I've done since day one coming into the UFC. I've said yes to every single opportunity, and it's bode well and, and worked out very well thus far. So we're going to keep the train rolling. Mike, so you come to the UFC, bro, and you are a Bellator champion. You fight Dan Hooker. It's explosive. You knock him out in the first round. Um, then you get Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, both extremely exciting fights, but you lost both of those fights. And fighting a guy like Tony Ferguson – what do you think you have to prove in a sense of being able to win some of these exciting fights against the top-level elite athletes in the UFC? It's a great question, and obviously that's where the, any criticism has come. You know, you come, come to the UFC, I am, I am one and two in the UFC, albeit mm. uh, they were great fights, fan-friendly fights. I was a Nats eyelash away from becoming the UFC champion, almost knocking yeah. out Charles Oliveira, then getting clipped. Um, being in a fight of the year, back and forth battle with Justin Gaethje, probably the scariest guy in the division. Um, you know, for me, I just need to keep being myself, do exactly what I, what I have done since day one when I stepped inside of mixed martial arts competition. Use my skill set, uh, continue to hone it in. I got a great, great stable of training partners and teammates and coaches down at Sanford MMA down in Florida. Excited. I'm chomping at the bit to get back down with those guys and be around them and feel the atmosphere there and continue to hone my skills and get better. Um, but yeah, I need, I need to win. You know, that's what the sport is all about. If I say I want to come in and become champion, I got to win fights. So although I, uh, have, have been dubbed as one of the most exciting guys in the, in the sport as of right now, I need to go out there and get a W, get my hand raised. And I think Tony Ferguson's the perf perfect opponent to add a little bit of, uh, entertainment as well as go out there and get a W. You know, you beat Tony Ferguson, a former interim champion. You put yourself right back into the title picture, maybe not as a number one contender, but you're in the picture. A picture that is now becoming more clear because now we have Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira scheduled. Yeah. A guy that's fought both of them. How do you see that fight going? And who would you favor as this matchup uh, comes to fruition? It's crazy. I think, uh, I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say that I, I, would, I would not have given Charles Oliveira a chance to beat Justin Gaethje up until <laughs> – about the last 12 months, uh, Charles Oliveira has come back essentially from the dead, resurrected his career from the dead. He was spotty up and down, could never be relied upon when it come to performances. And then just the way that he is um, turned into a deadly striker, as well as one of the mm -hmm. greatest submission artists that the, that the sport has ever seen, as well as going out there and finishing myself, going out there and finishing Dustin Poirier. That yeah. kind of stuff comes with a, a little bit of added extra confidence with each time he steps inside of the octagon. I think he's going to be the most confident Charles Oliveira that we have ever seen after the year of 2021 that we just saw and him gaining that title and then defending that title when he steps inside the octagon against, against uh, Justin Gaethje. But Justin Gaethje, as we all know, he is a killer. Um, I think it's going to be an extremely exciting fight. I still, I think I give the edge to Charles Oliveira, to be honest with you. Uh, he just has too many tools, and we all know mm -hmm. how Justin Gaethje can win. Um, and we have also proved, and Charles Oliveira has also proven a lot of us and a lot of the doubters wrong that he can't be in there in those wars. He's a lot tougher and, and a lot more resilient yeah. than we thought he was. Um, so it remains to be seen. May 7th, I believe it is for them. So I'm excited and uh, maybe I'll be on the card with them. We'll see. Mike, you know, you look at, at what you've been able to do and talking about Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, uh, to the two guys that you fought in your latest two fights. If you win this fight, with Tony Ferguson and you fight at the elite level that you can, where do you feel you place in the lightweight division? Uh, it's always tough. I mean, uh, whether no, regardless of, of organization, us fighters are never really in control of our destiny. We have promoters right. that we work for. And especially when you get to the level of the UFC, these guys are geniuses. They know how to put together fights and they want to put together fights that, that make the most sense. Now, with that being said, do I think I automatically make myself the number one contender by beating Tony Ferguson or winning my next fight? Mm. I don't think so under normal circumstances, okay. but these are not normal circumstances. I think everybody right. wants to see a rematch of myself and Charles Oliveira. They want to see, they definitely want to see a rematch 
chapter yeah. two of the fight of the, of the fight of the year <laughs> against myself and Justin Gaethje. So I've kind of put myself in a in a unique position where I could be one win away and I get the nod to go out there and win the title by the end of 2022. If I got to fight two two more fights, three more fights to get back to the title, that's what I'm going to do. Either way, everybody's on notice now. When I step inside the UFC octagon and I strap on those gloves mm. and I bite on that mouthpiece, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. You're going to buy the pay per view and we're going to have a blast. Yeah. Chandler. Very rarely does a guy come to the UFC and he is as distinguished as you were in Bellator, champion and everything Mm -hmm. else. But it's almost like that was a lifetime ago because you have made such an impact so early. So when you look back on the first 12 months of your career, is it everything you expected and more or has it just been exactly what you thought it would be? No, you're right. And and it's it's true in the the what have you done for me lately business, you're only as you're only as hyped and, and important as your last fight was, but um, you know it does seem like a lifetime ago. And I think even for the for the fans who have now followed this journey over the last sixteen months that I've been signed with the organization, um, it does seem like so long ago that I came into the UFC. We're just a little over a year past my UFC debut, so it's just a testament to not just mixed martial arts, not just athletics, but any time in life, any season of life, we underestimate how much ground can be gained, how, how big of a platform you can build and the impact you can make in such a short amount of time, given the right set of circumstances, continuing, continuing to work hard and uh, do the right things. And that's what I've tried to do since day one. And uh, yeah, just three fights in, I feel like I'm still scratching uh, at the doors of, of that UFC title. And um, man, it's been a blast. It's definitely exceeded my expectations. I never would have thought in a million years the platform would be this big, the support, uh, would be this much, and I would be. Li- I'm li- literally living the dream. I felt like I've been living the dream since 2009 when I got into the sport. I love being a professional athlete, but now coming over to the UFC, being on the the world's biggest stage yeah. of mixed martial arts, it's everything I could have ever dreamed of, and uh, and even more. So I'm excited that this is going to be a big, big year, and the train ain't slowing down anytime soon. I got a lot of tread left on the tires, and I got I got UFC gold in my future. Michael yes, Chandler, you are the absolute man, my friend. Ryan, you know how we always talk about how perfect Chandler is? He's got the perfect family. Oh, you should see perfect, this dude's bro. living room. Hey, you should see this hey. dude's living room, Ryan. <laughs> man. This dude's living room. Perfect. DC, dude. my dream is this summer to go work out with Michael Chandler and film it. So I'll let you know. Yeah. Maybe he'll let me close to the living room. <laughs> see, you Absolutely. need to do that. See, Mike. see, one thing I realized, one thing I realized, I got this little makeshift wannabe uh, studio over here. I'm building a studio in my backyard with a home gym in my backyard. We can film all kinds of stuff. And yes, I took it to heart and I was very, I was very embarrassed when DC kept talking about how awesome my living room is. So I came over here upstairs. I put myself in the corner, put myself in the corner of the extra bedroom slash office just to make, make sure DC didn't talk about all the money I'm making. Hey, let me tell you something. Nobody put the baby in the corner. Rich. Yeah. Hey, this dude exactly. is rich. This boy got a rich <laughs> living room. Hey, hey Chandler, hey. thank you, my man, for joining thank us. Thank you, we brother. appreciate you giving us a few minutes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all. I'll see you. There he was. Iron Michael Chandler, man. Dude has another big fight on the horizon. And as always, dude brings the energy. Very smart, yeah. articulate. And uh, it was good that he joined us. Now, now, Ryan, from one guy that fought for the belt to the heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou. Francis yeah. is going under the knife. He's having surgery. Mm-hmm. We understand that he's out of contract. Nine months he'll be on the shelf. What does that mean for Francis? And do you think that it hurts his place in terms of negotiations being away and not able to compete? You know what? I don't think it hurts his negotiations because it seems that Dana White and the UFC don't really run their negotiations based on the athlete. Right. And what the athlete is doing or where he is, I think for Francis Ngannou, it may help him in the sense that we get to see what the heavyweight class is without him. What guys now ascend to the top? You know, if it's Stipe, if it's Derek Lewis, if it's still surreal gone, you know, these are all guys that Francis Ngannou has fought already. And we've seen Derek Lewis lose to surreal gone. And so maybe it shows that Francis Ngannou is needed in this division that Francis Ngannou truly is at oh, this yeah. point the greatest, the, the best in the world, the baddest man in the world. But for me, DC, and I know this is one of your favorite topics, what does it do, what does it mean for the Stipe's to you? What does it mean to the Curtis Blades, to the Surreal mm-hmm. Gons, even the John Joneses, who we've now learned, at least through Francis, is finding better fights on Twitter <laughs> than he is in the Octagon? <laughs> you know, 
seeing that, I mean, Francis has ACL and MCL, Ryan. So to do what he did back in, in Anaheim is, is even more impressive. To go out there and beat a surreal guy yeah. over the course of five rounds with no ligaments in your knee, with both of them torn. It almost reminds so me a little bit of what I felt about, um, I don't mean to cut you off, but it reminds me of no, what I good. thought of Tiago Santos after yes. um, when the John Jones fight. The Jones fight, yep, and he was able to go mm -hmm. five rounds. But ultimately, yeah. Francis took it another level and won the fight. So hats off mm -hmm. to the champ for getting through what he had to get through with those serious injuries and doing it in a way that no one expected. Now, when you turn the page and you look at the injury, does it hurt Francis? I don't think so. I really do believe that this negotiation will tell mm -hmm. you what the max contract is for anyone not named Conor McGregor. Habib Nurmagomedov okay. and those types of guys. Because now you have okay. the heavyweight champion in the world with no contract and okay. in a hard negotiation with the UFC. Look, I hope they come to terms. Because, I, dude, the, the, the way it feels when Francis is about to fight, it's like nothing else. Because you don't know if he's going to decapitate somebody. Now you got to wonder <laughs> if he's going to wrestle somebody. Like, you don't know what's going to happen when Nganu fights. But what he will know when he gets back is who is going to be in line to fight him. Mm -hmm. I think we'll see another interim title. I think we'll see another interim title. And for me, what makes sense for that interim title interim title, is Stipe Miocic and John Jones. I think you put those two together, and then no matter who wins, when Francis comes back, you have a massive fight waiting for him. Yeah, I think that's, the, that's to me, the next step in not only the negotiations, but in the planning for the UFC. It's so crazy. During one of our breaks, we were talking about WWE storytelling. And <laughs> yes, Dana White's Dana White's gonna have to do a little bit of storytelling here while Francis Ngannou heals up because we have been waiting on John Jones. There's anticipation yeah. to see what he will be at, be like at the heavyweight uh in, in the heavyweight division. And you have a guy like Steve Miocic who really isn't getting the respect you would think a former champ or the greatest heavyweight champ in UFC history should get. That's a massive fight to make. And if you make that fight, the winner of that immediately becomes the number one contender. And even if Francis is out for an extended period of time, when a guy like Cyril Ghosn, who was 10-0, loses to Francis Ngannou, the, the hopes are that he continues to progress that he continues to get better yeah. and he fights for a championship again so that's a fight with Stipe or the winner of John Jones you can have that for an interim, interim title now someone else walks in with the belt or do you think the fear of surreal God beating one of those two men would make you hold that fight off to not have that rematch immediately between surreal and Francis Ngannou I just saw that Curtis Blades called out surreal gone well Yes. Of course you did, Curtis. You're the best wrestler in the division. And we saw Francis. You just saw Francis. Gone, right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. so like, he's like, yo, I want to fight Surreal Gone. Nobody, nobody was calling out Surreal Gone before this fight. But if I know Fernand Lopez and I know Surreal Gone, I know that they'll work on that. And I also know and understand that you said something last week. You said Surreal Gone probably didn't wrestle the whole time because he never expected Francis to shoot on him. Well, yep. he will expect takedowns from those guys. So he will be better prepared. For the wrestling. With Miocic, I think it's time to give him some respect and put him in a... Yes. If there's going to be an interim title, they can't not do it with Miocic again. Now, I'll be honest with you, Ryan. I heard some rumors, and I will say it this time, about Miocic and everything in Ohio with his team. Very tight-knit team that I hope uh, is everything is still going in the right way. But if Stipe Miocic fights anyone... He's as tough, he's as durable, and he is as good as anybody in the heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. Him and John Jones, that was a fight people were pining for whenever John yes. Jones was the champion and Stipe was the champion. So now you make that for the interim title fight, and you also allow for people to see whether or not John Jones can compete at 265 pounds. The reality is this, though. If John Jones fights a heavyweight, you want a belt on the line. You don't want him just fighting. I used to think right. that, oh, put him against Curtis Blades or somebody else. No. You put him in the fight where if he wins, 
the end visual is a belt getting strapped on him, even if it's an interim title, because then it just yes. elevates the next fight. So I think Stipe Jones is the fight to make, and I can see a world where Surreal Gone fights against Curtis Blades. The heavyweight yeah, division is interesting right now, and the champion being away really doesn't hurt it all that much. It's extremely interesting, and I think another point with the John Jones uh, having a belt on the line when he fights is this. You don't want to waste a John Jones outing from a money perspective. If, yep. if John Jones fights Curtis Blades, um, it'll be a, a, a deal, right? People will pay attention to it. But if he loses that, then you never get the Stipe fight with an interim belt on the line, mm -hmm. a surreal Gan fight, a Francis Ngannou fight, because now the mystique of John Jones has gone away. At heavyweight right? has been seen. And that, that's the biggest thing about Jones at heavyweight, Ryan, is that it's always wondering what if. I mean, this has been what if since 2012. What if Jones fights at heavyweight? You don't want to waste that what if and give an answer to what would happen without yes. the gold or some portion of the gold on the line at the mm -hmm. end of it. It's too risky. It's just too risky, especially yeah. with the way he looked in his last couple fights, RC, and going yeah. up in weight. No, I, I totally agree. I think the, the last couple of fights did look like a little bit of boredom to me, and you can't be bored in your sport. But I definitely believe that we need to see John Jones immediately, especially with Francis Ngannou out. One question. I want to ask you that. You said it looked like boredom. Do you think that Dominic Reyes and uh, uh, Tiago Santos didn't excite him? Is that why you thought that he fought the way that he did? Or do you think that those guys' skill sets? Because honestly, I never said it publicly, right? But I feel like Jones always elevated for the competition. And when you feel mm -hmm. the threat, it's easier, right? I bet it was hard for you to get up to go and play against the, the, the Jets or the Browns at <laughs> yeah. the time, right? Like, yeah. I, I kind of feel like maybe the threat wasn't as prevalent to Jones, and that's why he didn't fight as well in those last couple fights. But at heavyweight, the threats are really real, and maybe we'll see a better version than we've ever seen. Right. You know, that's what I'm hoping. But listen, we gave the fans an opportunity to ask us some questions. And, you know, we can't have a show without Corporate Jake anyway. So, Corporate Jake, shoot us a couple of the questions, bro. All right, guys. This comes from Austin Collette. Obviously, Israel Adesanya headlines next weekend's pay-per-view. So, is Izzy Stylebender the middleweight GOAT if he beats Whitaker at 271? If not, what more does he need to do? No. Dude, Anderson Silva existed. Anderson Bam. Silva existed. Like, I, I don't get this. Like, I don't get yeah. this. Like, recency bias that fans have. Guys, you can't just. It, I honestly, RC, I think the word goat gets thrown around way too easy in fight sports. You got to really. The only person that doesn't get passed is Muhammad Ali. And there yeah. have been really impressive fighters. But people recognize what Muhammad Ali was. Anderson Silva was to MMA what Muhammad Ali was to boxing. Yes. No. Izzy has some work to do to catch Anderson. Listen, we just saw the, the GOAT of football retire, Tom Brady. Tom Brady finally hung him up. And he set a different standard for what it means to be a winner at the quarterback position in football. I feel like Anderson Silva set that standard in MMA. You can look at his the fights that ended his career, right? I think it was uh, Uriah yeah. Hall, um, Israel yep. Adesanya. The way that these fighters reacted after their fight or even before yes. their fight with Anderson Silva, the number of people that he, that he was a idol to, that, 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 followed, that followed his career to, to try to emulate his, him in their own, tells you all you need to know about Anderson Silva and what he meant to the MMA world and to the UFC. Ryan, I looked across the octagon, and I knew that I was fighting Anderson at UFC 200. And then we did the, mm -hmm. the stare down for the win, and I was like, wow, I'm fighting Anderson Silva. Anderson then Silva. When we got knocked out, I was like, holy shit, that's Anderson Silva. It was like, that, like you say, the levels just kept going right. up in terms of appreciation for who he was to the sport of MMA. Anderson Silva is the MMA uh, mixed martial arts goat at 185. It'll be a long time before someone passes him. Corporate J. Rob Gomez has a two-parter. DC first. Who's What's next for Usman? Does he clean up the division again, or can the bond be broken temporarily between Adesanya and Usman so they can fight at middleweight? Then, RC, who's the most exciting fighter in the UFC right now, in your opinion? 
Uh, it doesn't seem like anybody's going to get Usman, honestly. But I think Leon Edwards is next, and rightfully so. Thank God. Give Rocky his title fight. The guy deserves it. He's He hasn't lost in 10 or 11 fights. Leon Edwards will fight Usman. I don't know uh, if he'll be able to get him, but I do know that he yeah. presents unique challenges to Kamaru Usman. The only thing that makes me pause was seeing Nate hurt him at the end of that fight after he had Cruz for so long. Yeah. Not because I don't think he can take a shot, but because if you can do that well for 24 minutes, to have that lull in the mental, Usman never has that. Usman's locked in from, from minute one to minute 25, and you can't make mistakes. But, yeah, it's, it'll be tough to beat Usman. So the most exciting fighter, I think, is it's a very tough question because it's such a personal opinion, right? And the most exciting mm -hmm. fighter to me is Max Blessed Holloway. I think I, I, never, I never watch one of his fights and don't expect action. Now, it all depends on what the other guy wants mm -hmm. to do. Right. If you're fighting mm -hmm. Alexander Volkanovsky and he's willing to stand there and trade, then you get an amazing fight between two of the elites. Right. And if it's Brian Ortega yeah. and he absolutely dominates him, then you get an amazing fight from Max where he just overwhelms yeah. people with volume. Oh, we yeah. saw the same thing with Calvin Cater. You even saw it to me with Yair, Yair Rodriguez. And it was even better because Yair made Max dig into his bag and do something different. And it so every time I, every time I see. Max Holloway stepping to the octagon, I already know you can expect explosion, you can expect volume, you can expect pressure, and if his opponent isn't willing, then he's just going to get overwhelmed. You know what's crazy? I was like kind of going like shaking my head like, gosh, I was not going to say Max. And then for all the reasons that you said, I completely agree, man. The dude is a he, – he is a yeah. genius inside the octagon the way that he fights. He really is. Uh, Corporate Jake, And I love the fact that he, that, that he takes you to task all the time as well. I, I, I was trying. I was actually trying to say him because I don't want him mad at me no more. <laughs> right, Ru asks: Is Nick Diaz still a viable threat in the welterweight division with a full preparation and a full camp? RC, you can have I'll go this first. One. I'll go yeah. first. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> he, he isn't. And and I think when you when you look at the welterweight division and the people who are sitting atop of it. Right. When you look at guys like Kamaru Uzman, you look at guys like, you know, Kobe Covington, um, Leon Edwards. It's just there. There's too much talent and too much youth at the top of it. And so yeah. uh, is is Nick Diaz one of the more more exciting fighters of his era? Is he a guy who's built a legacy and who's basically a legend even after not fighting? I think since like, you know, what was it? 2015 until he fights. Robert yeah, Lawler. it was a long time. I, I just believe. I just believe at some point the game passes you by. We all age out. And I think Nick Diaz has aged out of being a, co a contender in the division, but he's definitely somebody with a full camp who I do believe can return to being an exciting fighter to watch. Yeah, people will always tune in. But, RC, you know, man, Father Time is undefeated. and Undefeated. If you're training hard every day and preparing, even as you age – that time still starts to catch up to you. And I think that's what happened to Nick, right? Nick took some time away. Maybe he wasn't preparing himself every day for his return. Then he came back. I, I think those days of being a contender are done. But I do believe that he can still be an attraction. And nothing's yes. wrong with being an attraction as you get older. But I don't even know. After, after his last fight, Dana said something like, I don't know if he should fight again, right? So I don't even mm. know what the willingness to put him back in there would be right now. But I would be excited about it. I mean, I know how I felt before he went. Um, but the days of contendership, they're done for Nick Diaz. Yep. All right, guys. Our next question comes from Anthony. Do you guys think Sean O'Malley will be a champion soon? Uh, that's, tough. that's a tough one. That's a tough one <laughs> because it's such a tough weight class. And – Yes. I think that Sean O'Malley has a good skill set to be a champion. I think Sean O'Malley's big. I think he has unbelievable mm -hmm. striking. And I know that he has great jujitsu. The question to me is, how does he do as he gets into the elite of the elite? Because we just haven't really seen that. Um, right. Do I think he has potential to be champ? Absolutely. But so many things have to go right to win a championship. And I think that's what people misunderstand, Ryan. It's like, you got a guy like Tom Brady that won seven Super Bowls. You know how many things have to go right in order to win yes. one Super Bowl or to win one UFC championship. 
so many things have to go right. I mean, one 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 left turn opposed to one right turn, and you're number ten again. So it, yes. it's a hard question, but he does have potential to be champ. I don't know if it'll happen though. Yeah, I think I think the other thing about Sean O'Malley that's so exciting is even in his in his one loss, it almost seemed fluky. Right. It almost seemed yes. it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, OK, he went out there and got <laughs> dominated. And so you you we haven't had that picture of, of Sean O'Malley losing. And he has such great lift, such patient striking was mm -hmm. what struck me the last time he was in the octagon. So accurate, so efficient. And he has one punch knockout power, which I think is a thing that's elusive when it comes to MMA and in the UFC. And so he definitely has the skill set to get there. But we just haven't seen him in there with the level of fighter you have to beat in order to win a championship. And so it's one of those I, things. It's not to say he can't do it, given the opportunity, yeah. but it's what does the path look like? How many elite top-level fighters do you have to knock down before you get a shot at the champion? Mm -hmm. I'd love to see him in like a Corey Sanhagen, somebody like tall yes. like him that presents yes. him those unique challenges and see how he gets – through those types of uh, situations. But Kid is a ball of potential, and he does have a ton but you of ability, remember, You got to remember that uh, P uh, Piotr Jan is sitting at the top of, the of, best, of, of, that, of, that, of that division. And, and we've <laughs> watched him. good. We, we've watched him diagnose, figure out, and pick apart people with, with a physicality that is often unmatched by someone his size. And we always yeah. have to remember that. Who's at the top of those divisions? Mm -hmm. All right, guys, one more. At Whiskey805 asks, yo, DC, why are you always backing Jimmy G? <laughs> Have you not been watching enough football to know that he's just a solid backup? Hey, let me tell you something, man. I've constantly – I live in the Bay Area, right? So for years, they were trying to run this dude, Jimmy G, out of San Francisco. Here's the thing, RC. I understand that the guy doesn't win, but the guy has been to the NFC Championship. The guy's been to the Super Bowl, and very rarely is Jimmy Garoppolo healthy. In the years that he's played through an entire year, the San Francisco 49ers have seen a really high level of success. Now, is that enough? Guess not in San Francisco, but there are 28 teams at minimum that are willing to take a Jimmy Garoppolo that can take you to an NFC championship and a Super Bowl in one of the very few years that he has actually been healthy. So, yes, maybe, dude, that throw last weekend at the end where he tried to flick that interception, he made a Jimmy Garoppolo play in the worst possible time. But dude had absolutely no protection on those last couple drives. It was it was insane to watch how easy the Rams got to Garoppolo at the end of the game. DC, I think uh, one of the worst things you could say about a quarterback is hopefully he doesn't have to throw the football. That's sometimes how you feel with Jimmy G. I'll say this. Terry, Terry Bradshaw Terry Bradshaw has a saying that I think fits Jimmy G correctly. And he said, you can lose with me, but you cannot win without me. This has yes, been very yes. true. This has been very true for the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers record when Jimmy G plays as compared to when he doesn't are very, very, very stark in their differences, right? Like you you win a ton with Jimmy G and you lose a lot when he's not there. And though you may not feel he's the reason they win, he certainly is so high of an upgrade over his backups that you have to respect the man's record as the starting quarterback of San Francisco. With all that said, they need a new quarterback. You're welcome. They, they, they were RC, they need a new quarterback. And then to you, my friend, I defer. If you say I will – now I will never publicly defend Garoppolo again because my boy RC hey, says hey, you can, that it's you time can, for him to go. Hey, you can defend him, but I'm going to tap out on it. Matter of fact, Corporate Drake, <laughs> let's just slide right in to tap in to tap out. Saturday night, guys. Rashad Evans returned to competition at Habib's Eagle FC event. Evans showed some rust but eventually won the unanimous decision. So, after knocking the rust off at age 42, RC, tap in or tap out, seeing Rashad continuing his MMA comeback? You know, it, it wasn't necessarily a fight that I thought I saw vintage Rashad, Rashad which, you, which you wouldn't, right? Obviously, he hasn't fought in a ton of time. He's 42 years old. I think, to me, I would rather him see him do this and this be like, I got back in there. I was able to do it. 
now I go back to commentating. I think the one thing I love about the way Tom Brady walked away is we didn't get to see him fall off of the cliff, off off of the cliff, and no longer be able to do it. And I think that's what I would like for Rashad Evans. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm gonna tap out. RC, you made the Brady. Listen, most of our great champions go out on their backs. It's just the yep. way it is. I mean, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl, but the dude could barely throw the ball 20 yards. I mean, he barely mm-hmm. could throw the ball. So he got to drive right. on top, but it wasn't because of him. Now, right. Rashad should walk, Rashad should do this, but only at this level. Let's not right. get too smart for ourselves or too tough. Now, now, the level wasn't the highest in this fight, and Rashad can always beat those types of guys. But let's not mm-hmm. start to put him in there with absolute killers anymore because with a yeah. name like Rashad Evans, those young, hungry lions start to call for you because they want to build mm-hmm. themselves off of your name. So I'm going to tap right. in to see him compete at that level, but I'm tapping out to any super high-level mixed martial arts. Carpet Jake. Kevin Holland, known to be a jokester, was the target of a Twitter troll recently. The troll sent Kevin a message saying, even though you're a black belt, I'm positive I could submit you. Prove me wrong. Holland made an example of this troll by bringing him out to Texas, proving him wrong, and made him tap. Here's what Kevin had to say about that moment. So, DC, tap in or tap out Holland handling a Twitter troll in person rather than online. Dude, I tap in because sometimes you got to put people in a place. And Kevin Holland different. Like Kevin said, you show up in a different town. You don't know what people are going to do to you. And he went there and he got what he deserved. He, the, the way that people talk to athletes is so disrespectful at times that you could not imagine. So this kid going in there and training with Kevin, right? Because they see Kevin getting taken down by these professionals. They all think they can take him down. He just slayed. He sprawled that takedown out so easy it was pathetic. And then Kevin Holland has already trained Ryan Clark. This isn't Kevin Holland fresh. He's been through an entire jiu-jitsu session, and he submits the kid. I absolutely tap in that sometimes if fans want to put themselves in that position, you go and you handle it. Uh, I did a show called Bully Beatdown way back in the day, and it was the same exact thing. Sometimes you got to put people in their place, man. These dudes are professionals for a reason. So I I tap in for this reason, that it wasn't handled with street justice, right? This was simply if you want to pull up to the gym – and meet me in my professional arena, if you're willing to do that, I will allow you to do that to show you. It wasn't disrespectful online. It wasn't one of those things where we pull up to a convenience store and throw hands. It was, Dude. you come into the, the cage, you get on the mat, and we will solve this that way. I think that's a yeah. better, even more professional adult way to handle it than something that gets ugly. So for me, I totally tap in on this. And very rarely will a guy actually go, Ryan. So the kid right. Went. But just going yeah. to get beat doesn't really garner respect from that professional athlete stupid who you judge bro, stupid so is, unfairly. Bro, stupid, <laughs> stupid is stupid, is stupid does. Like, I don't, yeah. bro, I believe I'm a tough dude. I don't try none of y'all. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never, <laughs> like, I'm not, like, I'm never looking at, like, uh, Rose Namajunas going, you know what? I think I could take Rose down. No. Like, <laughs> I'm not. Like, I understand that this ain't my, this ain't my realm, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy how, but 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 for all those, Ryan, for all those, there are a hundred that support, yep. right? So just unfortunate, a lot of his voice is usually the negative one. So for all the absolutely. people that support, we absolutely love you guys, Corporate Jake. Guys, we've yeah, had we some can. great <laughs> versions of combat showcased on the show. So time to add another one: three v three mixed martial arts inside a cage okay. with three officials. So RC. Who would your team of three be and tap in or tap out that your team would whoop DC's team? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I was going to pick this. DC on my team. Okay, so <laughs> my team my team would be James Harrison and um, Deontay Wilder. That would be my team. Oh, wow. I feel like, I feel wow. like if, I, if I go in there with James Harrison and Deontay Wilder, I have a real good chance to beat uh, DC, Islam, and Khabib because that's going to be his team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, hey, listen. I tap First in. Off, that I tap is in. Pure, that is pure pandemonium. Now, now, here's the question. Can you go and hit the other guy? Do you have a, a yeah. selected opponent? Oh, look, they're jumping him. No, they jumping each other. DC, this is a club fight, bro. This is the Tiger Bar in Baton Rouge in 1999, dog. I've wow. had this happen before. Listen, this is nothing new. This is just a bar hey. fight. 
<laughs> you got to keep your hand on the swivel, Ryan. You know that one thing when y'all trying to guard somebody and you got to turn to find the ball? You got to always be doing this when you're in those types of fights. First off, I'm tapping in. And I'm taking, I'm taking Francis. I'm definitely taking Francis because Francis putting everybody to sleep with no with them little small gloves, especially if they don't know what they're doing. Cause he right. barely just threw he just throwing punches at times. And I'm taking Habib. I mean, I'm taking Habib up in that piece, man. Because Ryan, if Habib nobody wrestled fight, in there. Nobody wrestled if, though. But if Habib can fight a bear, why can't Habib fight a man? Hey, 29 have tried. Friendly 29 bear. have fallen. The bear was friendly. 29, 29 have tried. 29 have failed against the Eagle of Dagestan, Habib Nurmagomedov. That's who I'm taking, Ryan Clark, on my team. Me, Habib, and Francis Ngannou against anybody. Because James Harris, we're going to just jump on those big old tree trunk legs. He big. Deontay Wilder, Francis might be able to take him down. I mean, you know how it is. DC, DC, Debo is what we call him, is going to mm -hmm. tackle you through the gate, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I he promise you, he's. A, I promise you, he's a better wrestler than Surreal God. He just gonna hold Francis <laughs> down the whole time, and then me and Deontay gonna jump you, right? We gonna jump you, and it, and if Khabib can't wrestle me, I'm just gonna cover my head like this long enough he can't for wrestle. James and Deontay. Wrestling is allowed. Wrestling is allowed, and I'm telling you, 20 seconds. Habib Nurmagomedov submits. Deontay Wilder, so he's eliminated out of the Royal Rumble. And then we turn our focus to you. And you got skinny legs, so I'm leg kicking you on the calf. I'm starting, I'm trying to, I'm trying to affect I'm your gonna sprawl, life, bro. You better I'm gonna sprawl. sprawl. He's been a great show, man. He can't sprawl a kid. Michael Chandler. He can't a kid. My team's gonna win. This dude right here, man. DC and RC. Guys, we'll say, and we'll, we'll we see done, you next man. week. That's we'll DC, see you next week. Bye.